Welcome to Category 5 Technology TV, episode number 349 for Tuesday, the 27th of May, 2014. So great to see you. My name's Robbie Ferguson. I'm Krista Wells. Tonight, Krista, we are going to be taking a, uh, we're going to be actually talking to the developer of the software that we looked at last week called Stunt Rally. It's a free racing game that's available for Linux and Mac. Awesome. Uh, uh, oh, no, not Mac. <laughs> Windows. Not Mac. Oh, Mac. well, that's, ah, that's completely different. You will have to talk to him about that in a couple <laughs> minutes. No, it's Linux and Windows. Pardon me, my mistake. Uh, we're also going to be de- debuting our highly anticipated brand new music video here at Category 5. So you don't want to miss out on that. It's going to be fun. Absolutely. Here's what's coming up in the newsroom. The FBI is upset because they're not allowed to hire potheads. Oh, hmm. dear. Imagine that's really tough on them. That's tough, yeah. <laughs> a new Linux-powered eye-tracking eyewear will allow researchers to see what catches your eye. Netflix is expanding further in six European countries. Blizzard wants to sue hackers who created cheats for StarCraft II. And China's ban on Windows 8 is opening up the market for Linux. Stick around. These stories are coming up later in the show. This is going to be a very exciting episode, so don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. This is Category 5 Technology TV. Starring Sasha Dermatis. Hillary Rumble. Krista Wells. Kid. And your host, Robbie Ferguson. Introducing Belltone First, a revolutionary new hearing aid. So small you can hardly see it. So comfortable you can hardly feel it. For the first time ever, you can control hearing aids directly from your iPhone. Pick up the phone, listen to music, and use your hearing aids like wireless headphones. Hear everything that matters. Try Belltone first. For a free trial, call 1-800-BELLTONE now.
chat room are saying there's something up with your microphone. Mm. It's all distorted or something. This is Category 5 Technology TV. I'm Robbie. I'm Krista Wells. Now that we've got that out of the way, <laughs> can I can I take away my my faux nerdy persona? You look the same. You look the same. Thanks. I'm not I'm not that nerdy, really. <laughs> These glasses are awesome. Even though you don't know. See. Can't really see. There's a lens Let's, in there. There's a lens in there. 720p video camera. So it's not really nerdy, but certainly geeky. While looking nerdy. We're going to need a new song. Going to need a new song. Mm-hmm. Geeky. Hope you guys enjoyed that. We'll Loads of fun it. to put that together. Thank you to everybody who participated. That was just a blast. Nice to see everybody in the chat room. This is Category 5 Technology mm-hmm. TV. Take it and away. Category5.tv is a member of the Tech Podcast Network. If it's tech, it's here. That's cat5.tv slash TPN. And the International Association of Internet Broadcasters, cat5.tv slash IAIB. 
Tonight, uh, we are joined by a very special guest. Crystal Hammer is joining us. Now, last week, I had the opportunity to take a look at this game called Stunt Rally. It's a free game. I mistakenly said for Mac, but I I believe it's for Windows and Linux. Uh, Stunt Rally is, we're going to let Crystal Hammer talk about it, but it's it's an amazing kind of off-roading game. Um, and uh, if you if you're into stunt tracks, stunt driving, kind of uh, video simulations, then this is a, definitely a game that you want to get your hands on. And it's absolutely free, so you can't beat that. Uh, last week we took a quick look at it, but this week the developer of the game, Crystal Hammer, as I mentioned, is joining us tonight. Crystal, it is so nice to see you. Thanks for joining us tonight. Hi, hello, everybody. Very great pleasure to have you here, and uh, just want to know, you know, right from the horse's mouth, what is Stunt Rally and what makes it different from uh, all the other racing video games that are out there? So, well, uh, the, the name of the game already tells uh, two things. Uh, first off, it's uh, about rally. It's, uh, it's a loose surface, it's gravel. It's a bit different than uh, asphalt, and uh, kind of... Yeah, different. And uh, the second uh, second thing is uh, it's about also stunt uh, stunt tracks, very twisted uh, with loops and pipes and jumps and uh, well, quite fun. Oh, it basically the autobahn, really, loops and jumps and pipes. Oh. Awesome. So is this so off roading gravel um, terrains and things like that? We're talking almost like a, like a dirt off-road kind of game? Is that is that really your focus, is to take racing, as far as racing simulation goes, take it off of the racetrack and put it onto uh, mountainous terrains kind of idea? Yeah, that, that's that's the main thing. I, I like terrains and, and different sceneries, and also I'm a fan of, uh, of gravel racing and uh, rally. Um it's not actually the main focus to be really real-like, but um, it is different to drive. It may be a bit uh, strange at, at first, but uh, there is uh, an easy simulation mode and uh, also normal, and I'm planning in, in the future to add uh, more, even more realistic, uh, hard, difficult yeah. I think- uh, simulation mode. I think kind of what makes uh, Stunt Rally, I mean, you say that it's a little bit odd as you start playing it because it is so off-road and so different from your your traditional games. I think really what it comes down to is that it's like this is fun racing. I think is is how I would say. Like if I get my kids around and we're and we're playing Stunt Rally, um, it's it's fun. You're not, you know, we won't name other games, but I've I've purchased games. Yes, uh, racing games where it's it's like it's not fun because I've got to I've got to get through all these different tiers and I've got to accomplish certain achievements in order to do anything with the game and there's a lot there's too much other stuff going on when I really just want to sit down on a really cool racetrack and say you know what let's go put the the pedal to the metal and and just start racing that's the idea so with stunt rally. Uh, of course, 2.3 just came out, and we mentioned last week that there are a ton of beautiful uh, enhancements that have been added to the game. Could you just touch on briefly, Crystal Hammer, what uh, what you've done with Stunt Rally and why 2.3 is such a milestone for the game? Well, uh, all tracks have been renewed, so uh, we completely exchanged the terrain textures. There are now many more and uh, they are bigger and have better quality 
and because uh, uh, of that, all the tracks look uh, more interesting. Cool. Now, you, of course, are the the head developer for Stunt Rally, um, Crystal Hammer. How? How did this come about? You know, I kind of am interested in knowing a little bit about, as an open project, something that's available for free, how did suddenly Stunt Rally come to be, and how did you become involved, or how did you get involved in this kind of a project? Well, I started uh, around December 2010, uh, 2009, mm-hmm. and uh, I was looking for open source projects uh, just checking out, and I came to to the project with Riff. With uh, I did like it, and uh, it was a great learning experience to to check out the code and uh, develop it. And uh, it was probably the most difficult part uh, right there. Um, but when I succeeded compil- uh, building in from sources and. Uh, uh, just uh, just running it and then starting to modify it, I finally uh, integrated it then to the to a completely different rendering engine, and uh, I knew that re- uh, that engine uh, for few years already, so it it just come came naturally that I started adding new features to the game. I uh, implemented road building and. Uh, quite uh, already fast at the beginning of the project we had pipes, we had stunts and uh, many tracks that uh, also the track editor which mm-hmm. uh, evolved through the through the project yeah and I want to I want to talk a little bit more about your track editor because it's pretty exceptional and, and really makes your product your game stand out uh, but just backing up before we get into that um, vdrift you mentioned vdrift you mentioned the rendering engine which I believe if I'm not mistaken you're using ogre uh, yes. is that's correct yeah okay so yeah. vdrift and ogre two open projects along comes crystal hammer and says, I like VDrift, but I'd really like to be able to do this and makes it better and makes, you know, and, and develops a new product based on these other products that are available for free in the open source community. And and just to touch on, I mean, that to me is what open source is all about. I mean, you're, you're demonstrating exactly what open source is, which is to provide source freely so that mm-hmm. other developers can come along and say, okay, I want to change this or I want to make this better or I want to contribute this back to the community. So we appreciate that about your project. Yes, this is really the, the best part of this. Definitely. Now, okay, so you talked about the track editor just really, really briefly and and mm-hmm. I don't know if you grew up with these kinds of games, but I really liked uh, stuff like Track Mania, for example, where right. I could build my own tracks and I could do the kind of stunt racing and everything. So now that this is freely available on my PC, uh, how, how does the track editor uh, really take the game to the next level? You mentioned that you've recreated all these levels, but now I can go and I can make my own levels? Yeah, the, the, the track editor is uh, a bit different from uh, other games. Uh, you can edit the road completely free. It's um, based on points, <clears throat> and uh, there is a smooth generated line between them. Uh, every point of the road can, can be a pipe, can be a bridge, or can be on, a, on the terrain. Yeah. So you can uh, completely go whatever you want to do and uh, 
Generator truck. Cool. So it really just uh, keeps that whole open concept in in every way. Very very good. Yes. Cool. Now, I, I want to show some clips because Crystal Hammer sent us some clips, and last okay. week I was kind of you know playing with just a little system that I had and virtualized, and it it wasn't the best. So I'm going to demonstrate uh, just the quality of this game that you've developed called Stunt Rally. It's available free of charge at cat5.tv/stuntrally. And uh, the music that you're hearing uh, in just a moment, I'll just mention, is a song called My Own World by Longed for Fusion. Um, Crystal Hammer, tell us what we're seeing here. I mean, we've got these tracks just look awesome. The, the textures that, you know, you've said that you, you've completely recreated this. Yeah, the, the, this video actually is showing the various scenes. We have uh, 24 sceneries with uh, different uh, textures and uh, well the, the amount of tracks is also really huge it's 150 tracks so uh, naturally I, yeah okay naturally i wanted to have them with different scenarios we have uh, even uh, three scenarios that are outside of the uh, earth we have mars and, uh, and another planet it's just blue really? So we can go off-world, yeah. too, in our racing game. That sounds cool. Okay, yeah. so what kind of specs do I need to get this kind of gameplay? Um, it's actually difficult to tell. We have uh, on, uh, on our website uh, the hard requirements, uh, but uh, generally speaking, uh, it may be difficult to run it on a laptop, but it should run on a quite new laptop or some, maybe not the routers. And uh, generally, uh, also for PCs, uh, a dedicated GPU card may be three years old. Okay, so basically any gaming PC should do it. Yes. Very good. Okay, so I need to know, what, what about Linux support? What kind of Linux support uh, is offered with Stunt Rally? I mean, the game looks incredible, runs fantastically on Windows. What can we expect on Linux? Uh, it runs fully and natively on its tools. Awesome. Are we ever going to see any dev packs or RPM packages, for example, so that we can see this in a repository? Uh, I know that there are some older versions, but what's going to happen with 2.3? I think 2.3 is uh, already on PlayDev. You can install it from there. Oh, great. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look for a link. Can you send us a link for that? We're going to post that in the show notes for episode number 349. Yeah. Is there any option, for, any option for multiplayer with this? Yes, there is a multiplayer. It may be a bit difficult because uh, you have to follow ports. Uh, just see the second tab and 4243 is the default port, I believe. So open it up on the firewall kind of idea? Yes, yes, okay. exactly that. So for LAN parties, I guess that's not an issue, and you can, you can go head-to-head and have a great great yeah. time doing this. Uh, and also, what kind of uh, controllers can we use? What about my steering wheel? Am I going to be able to plug that in? Yes, we, we have a gameplay spot and steering wheels. Uh, I tested it on the steering wheel. Yeah. Uh, and, and of course, keyboard. Very cool. Well, folks, I mean, check this out. This is. Can I remind you that this game is available absolutely free? cat5.tv slash stuntrally is where you'll download it from if you're running Windows or Linux. It's available for you as a free download there. 
Uh, we've got more information on our website, category5.tv, in the show notes for episodes number 348 and 349. Crystal Hammer, it's so nice to have you on the show. And uh, just, you know, as we kind of wrap up our, our brief interview here, just to, to take a, a better look at the game now that you've sent us some, some more information and, and uh, just having you here is just a pleasure. What can we expect from, from you, from Stunt Rally, uh, say, over the course of the next two or three years? Is there anything big planned or what's, what's, what's to be expected? Uh, well, I don't know how uh, in Sancho long the future, but uh, definitely for the next uh, release, I intend to uh, finish the art simulation mode and add more cars. Uh, yep. this, I think two or three. Uh, there are also already two new tracks, so probably a few more. And uh, from the start, uh, I will make uh, new skyboxes uh, and new sky textures. So a bit uh, better looking scars. Very, very cool. Well, Crystal Hammer, it's, uh, like I say, a pleasure having you here. Uh, folks, if you are watching live, uh, you can catch Crystal Hammer in the chat room and, uh, and get your questions in there. Or pop us an email live at category5.tv. We'll do our best to answer, or uh, we'll certainly deflect that over to Crystal Hammer as well. Uh, and uh, he'd be more than happy to... to field that uh, i understand that you're also on freenode we have a chat room on freenode here at the show mm-hmm. so um if you would like to chat with uh some of the community from stunt rally uh you can actually go in is it just stunt rally on freenode is that correct yes yes it's, it's that. okay so those in our chat room can just type slash join space stunt rally and boom you're there so uh very exciting to see this and uh you know i'm i'm just thrilled i mean anytime i find a free game that is you know this at this uh, caliber, uh, we're just so excited for you, and and I know that there's some great things to come. So, Crystal Hammer, thanks for being here tonight. Thank you. Bye. Have a great night. This is Category Five Technology TV. I'm your host, Robbie Ferguson. I'm Crystal Wells. We've got your viewer questions in, uh, and we welcome you to join us in the chat room. Yes. Category Five on Freenode. Uh, pop us an email live at Category Five TV. How cool is that? That was pretty cool. Nerdy indeed. Free games. Music videos and free games. <laughs> what more could we possibly offer today on this show? Really? Really? We should just shut it down now. We're 25 minutes. That's enough. We're done. All right. Enough. Have a great night, folks. Not really. <laughs> Not really. Well, you ready for it? Ready. Okie dokie. Take it away. All right, here's the top stories from the Category5.tv newsroom. Cannabis! You're gonna keep going? Sorry. One more. It's one more for effect, and I'll go. Marijuana. Okay. What is this? <laughs> FBI Director James Comey says the Bureau's no tolerance marijuana policy is hindering the hiring of cybersecurity experts. Comey added uh. that he is grappling with possibly changing the practice. The director's comments come one day after five members of the Chinese military were indicated in the U.S. on allegations of hacking into major U.S. corporations and stealing trade secrets. Comey told a New York City Bar Association meeting last week, I have to hire a great, uh, a great workforce to compete with those cyber criminals, and some of those kids want to smoke weed on the way to the interview. <laughs> What a quote. This calms the nerves a little. What a quote. <laughs> the Bureau, which is seeking to employ as many as 2,000 new recruits this year, is prohibited from hiring those who have used marijuana in previous years. 
Okay, first of all, the quote, right? I mean, to on say that. Weed on the way to the I mean, interview. I'm sure it's taken a little bit out of context, but seriously, I mean, coming to a job interview and no, not necessarily. I think where the problem lies is that they want to hire people to be able to deflect cyber criminals. Yes. And to be able to track them down. And it's proven fact that legitimate hackers are going to be the people you want to hire to do that. If you've got somebody who knows how to hack and has hacked yes. and is an experienced hacker. Knows how to think like Legitimately. A yeah. Mm-hmm. That's who they want to hire. But what the law says is that if they have smoked marijuana, then they cannot be <laughs> hired. So that's a bit of a catch-22 for a lot of hackers. Pizza, beer, marijuana. Probably goes with the territory to not some degree. All ta- not all, obviously. Obviously, <laughs> I hack. I don't do any of that. That is not for me. Well, it just says desktop photo. That's, that's all. just yeah. that's just up on the screen. But doesn't you know? It's like okay, yeah, I can understand that. But what a <laughs> quote, folks! What a quote. This is uh, interesting. Kind of looks a little Google Glass esque. Uh-huh. What do we have from Toby? Well, Toby announced a Linux-based eyewear device with advanced eye-tracking software that lets market researchers see what's capturing the viewer's attention. Hmm. At first glance, Toby Glasses 2 may look like another Google Glass competitor, but there's more and less here that meets the eye. First, this is not a casual date. The glasses cost a whopping $14,900, and the premium analytics package goes for $29,900. Second, wow. the eyewear is not designed for snapping photos or checking the internet on the move. Instead, it lets researchers see what is captivating a test subject's interest. Oh, mm-hmm. The okay. device can be used to watch what you're looking at on a website, uh, on a TV screen, signage, or when walking to a store or restaurant. They can analyze how you drive a car, train on equipment, or even play sports. Okay. Cool, eh? I see. Okay, so this is making Google Glass look like a toy. Yes. This is like, so when you, when you hear those prices, you think, oh, who would ever buy that? But no, it makes sense that, okay, so a company that wants to know from a marketing standpoint, yes, would be what is catch, like you, yeah. you could think colors, right? Mm-hmm. You, as you're designing something, what color is going to draw yeah, the Yeah, what do they the instantly most? go to? Yeah. Because yeah. there are subliminal things that make you really literally... Look up. Like when I go, boo! Y'all looked did, at did me. Look, did he look at me or her? Which one? Just asking. <laughs> if I had the money, I could have bought you a pair of these glasses and found out. Which one? Truly. But we'll never know. Never know. Hmm. That's interesting. Tech can do anything. I know. Anything at all. And while Toby Glasses 2 runs embedded Linux, the device works in concert with Windows 8 software that can run on a tablet. It's proprietary at least for now, although a Mashable report says Toby will open up the platform at least partially in October when it releases an SDK. Cool. Mm-hmm. Go Linux. It's too bad they didn't make them look a little bit cooler. They are That's a all little I'm thinking. nerdy. A little bit. A little bit. <laughs> Activism there Blizzard is trying to sue hackers who have created cheats for its StarCraft II video game. The publisher says the software undermines online multiplayer battles and could cause players to lose interest in the title. It has filed papers with a California court calling for the unidentified programmers to be made to compensate it for copyright infringement. 
News of the legal action was first reported by the Torrent Freak News site, which noted that the Valiant Chaos map hack cheats at the center of the case remained available online if gamers played a donation of $62.50. (laughs) The creators have promoted the hack on Blizzard's own forum as well as other sites. That's a first. Like the donation. Yeah. I can understand that. Makes things easier. (laughs) PayPal charges less fees, right? Mm-hmm. But, I mean, people are going to hack the game. But I guess with an online game, it's a different scenario, right? I mean, if you hack an online game and go in and be a berserker and destroy every everybody and everything, that's, you know, that's a loss, like, big time. I think it's true. People would lose confidence in the game. So, so, here's a thought. Why don't they fix the software? Because it's the exploit know. of their software, right? Why not just make it work? It's time. Make it so that Money. they can't do it. Hello. I don't know. It's a lot of effort. Maybe they should Have switch to, to Linux. Get off the couch. Yeah, I know. Like, oh, we built the game. <laughs> we done. already built it. It should just run. It's like Windows XP. People using it for it 13 years. <laughs> what do you mean I got to upgrade? It should just work. Doesn't work that way, folks. Is that how Activision Blizzard thinks? Maybe. I don't know. Don't know. Hmm. Huh. Speaking of Windows. Oh, speaking of. Windows 8 now banned from being installed on Chinese government computers. Domestic operating system developers are itching for a niche in the world's biggest PC market. The country's relatively large OS developers, including China's Standard Software Co. and NFS China, among others, have fresh opportunities, but their products face long and tough tests. Windows 8 ooh. <laughs> Windows 8 was banned from all Chinese government desktops, laptops, and tablet PCs last week. The announcement made by the Central Government Procurement, Procurement Center did not make clear whether or other Windows products were prohibited as well. China's ambitious OS makers that are developing products based on Linux took immediate action in response to the government ban. A statement from China's Standard Software Co. said... There are differences between Windows and Linux, but we are trying to make consumers feel almost the same when using our products. A detailed plan is not yet to be revealed. It's interesting that they haven't proposed to go to Mac, but that Linux is the way that the government is going. And that's happening around Mm -hmm. the world, not just China. I think why China is at the forefront of the news is because they have adamantly banned Windows 8 from government systems. I don't really know what that's all about. I mean, I'm sure that there's there's stuff that happens behind the scenes that we don't know about. And, you know, there are concerns with privacy and Windows 8 and, and all this other stuff. And they're, you know, how Microsoft is pushing, the uh, forcing uh, their users to use their cloud services, mm-hmm. which is becoming, you know, more and more problematic with things like Microsoft Office and its, you know, its requirement to be run through their cloud services. So could that mm-hmm. maybe be a part of it? I don't know. But cool to see Linux getting another push. I think Linux is uh, incredibly viable. That's all I really run on my systems. But Krista's going to try it one day. Right, Krista? Uh, Netflix has announced plans to expand. Moving right along then. <laughs> to expand to a further six European countries before the end of the year. The TV and movie streaming service intends to launch in Germany, France, Austria, Switzerland, Belgium, and Luxembourg. 
For now, the firm has only said it will provide further, further details, including pricing, programming, and supported devices at a later date. Wow. Do you ever take for granted that just everybody has Netflix? Yeah, I really do. We use it so much, it just seems like another, like, oh, there's nothing on TV or so, uh, Netflix. Go to Netflix. Or your well, shows all, that you're watching are on Netflix. What it's is just TV? A like, I don't have yeah. cable TV. It's like, it's Netflix, it's Roku, it's mm-hmm. uh, Miro Internet TV, it's stuff streamed off of the browser or whatever. Netflix, though, it, it, I mean, everybody knows what it is, right? I hope so. When this comes to all these new European countries and, and all over the world, I think what's neat about Netflix is they are, they are pushing the envelope for ISPs. So it's interesting because... Uh, and I've seen it happen here in Canada. We are seeing it happen in the U.S. where, you know, it's come to light that their Internet service is probably not uh, all that it should be. Um, it pushes the infrastructure because now, you know, they bring in HDTV through the Internet. They bring in 4K TV now mm-hmm. through the Internet. So it's forcing the infrastructure to expand and grow and get bigger. And, uh, you know, people like myself, what did I do? I canceled my cable TV and instead Mm -hmm. and paying more for better internet service so it offsets the price right you know cable tv was what like 80 bucks and i think you know my my internet bill probably went up by about that but again it's pushed that infrastructure so i'm getting faster internet better more reliable internet Mm -hmm. and uh, you know that's what's happening all around the world but places like germany france france especially but what happens with you know is it closed captioning with these Western programs? Right. Is it, uh, you know, you think about Germany where a lot of your programming is uh, is dubbed so that, you know, actors have come in and, and have been paid to say the lines in your native tongue. That's what you're used to. So when Netflix right. comes in, who's going to offset the expense of doing dubbing, for example, which is incredibly expensive. I don't know that it's going to happen. And then with... Um, with France in particular, I'm thinking that there are going to be some legal ramifications because of the fact that the French, uh, the telecommunications governing body says that there has to be local programming in order to have a, a television broadcast, you know, a TV station, mm-hmm. which kind of Netflix classif- uh, you know, qualifies as. So what do they do? They put their servers in Luxembourg and hope for the best because, you know, then they're not under France rule, right? So we'll see what happens. It's interesting and exciting at the same time. So let us know if it's exciting to you. And as soon as you get Netflix. Cool. Yes. You guys can get the full stories at category5.tv slash newsroom. The category5.tv newsroom is researched by Roy W. Nash with contributions by our community of viewers. If you guys have a story you think is worthy of on-air mention, you guys can send us an email at newsroom at category 5 TV for the Category 5.TV newsroom. I'm Krista Wells. Thanks, Krista. Don't forget to visit our mobile website, m.cat5.tv, if you want to scan that QR code or just visit that in Safari on your iPhone or whatever browser you're using. Just get over to m.cat5.tv. Our mobile site is growing and expanding, getting better and better all the time. It's using our new infrastructure, and so we're able to push out more episodes and more exciting things. Uh, that's m.cat5.tv. I want to get into viewer questions. Just yes. uh, a quick we note. Lots. We ran out of storage space here at Category 5 over the past couple of weeks, and, and it's always tough when that happens. Our server, you know, we're, we're pretty close to capacity most of the time, you know, within 
you know, 20 to 50 gigs kind of idea, which is usually enough to get us through, you know, a little while, but mm. because we're doing a lot of video production these days, there's a lot of big files. So, um, so I did have to go out and get a, uh, a four terabyte hard drive for our Unraid array. That's like a, it's kind of like a RAID unit that has eight hard drives in it and you add more hard drives or bigger hard drives and it gives you more space. Um, so did that. I want to just say thank you to those who have contributed to the show with a monetary donation or through purchasing a T-shirt or, or things like that. Uh, cat5.tv slash C is where you can donate. But your donations are what allowed me to go and purchase a new hard drive to get us up and running with enough space. Yes. So you know, four terabyte hard drive, the price has come down, but it's still, you know, it's still some money. So uh, we put that into the server. I just got that yesterday. So installed it uh, last night. Quite a process. It was, uh, you know, I run Unraid here. And if you're familiar with it, uh, you know that it's it's really incredible. Um, if you're not familiar with it, I, I recommend you check out like episode number 103, for example, where I actually built that server four years ago and it's still up and running, <laughs> screaming and, and just it's a beautiful thing. But we can take out a 1.5-terabyte uh, hard drive, stick in a 4-terabyte hard drive. They don't have to match at all, and it gives you the extra space. That's really cool. So it's brilliant. And you've got parity, so if a drive fails, it's, you're not going to lose any data, things like that. So it's been incredible, but sometimes we run out of space, and that's what we had to do this week. So it went pretty well. Good. Mm -hmm. A busy week. Yes, a very busy week. Wow. <laughs> Um, Pyrus Rock is uh, saying in the chat room, I have a live Unraid server and I want to upsize. How hard is it to change hardware such as the motherboard to get more SATA ports? Well, first of all, if you've got in your Unraid server, um, if you've got PCI slots, you can install um, SATA uh, cards. Mm -hmm. which is the way I did it. I just added two more SATA cards. That's how I would go about it because you don't necessarily have to replace the whole motherboard if you can just stick in a couple of cards. Uh, and then it just works. You know, it just gives you extra ports and you can plug in extra hard drives. Done, right? Um, to change the motherboard, I had it happen recently. And if you go onto our website, I'm sure you can find it just by searching for Unraid on category5.tv. The motherboard in my Unraid server... Uh, the capacitors blew out, and uh, so it started losing parity, and there were some problems. It wasn't on Raid's fault. It was just the old motherboard that was like a P4 motherboard. So I took that motherboard out. Well, first of all, I took a screen grab. Fortunately, and so I, I'm going to tell you, fortunately for me, my server was still able to boot up. So it, was, it had problems, and it was crashing and sometimes rebooting oddly because of the burnt capacitors. But I was able to boot it up, and I took a screenshot and saved it to my computer. So if yours is bootable right now, take a screenshot because that is your best fail-safe to any kind of problems that you may encounter because having a screenshot of your Unraid will show you which hard drive falls into which port, disk 1, disk 2, disk 3, etc. So take that screenshot today. I removed the old motherboard, I put in the new motherboard, and I plugged in all the cables, SATA headers, right, into the new motherboard and stuck in a couple of PCI cards with SATA headers and booted it up. Of course, it sees all of my hard drives now, but it doesn't know where to put them because all the headers are different. So that's where my screenshot came in, and I said, oh, yeah, drive one is this one. Drive two is this one, and I allocated them back to exactly the same positions as they were before I replaced my motherboard. And then it worked. That was it. I was shocked. It was too easy. It was easier than any kind of RAID architecture I've ever had to deal with, not to mention the fact that with Unraid, you don't have to have matched hard drives. 
So you don't have to have three four terabyte hard drives. You can have one four terabyte hard drive, a 1.5, and a 400 gig. No problem. And they'll all work together and you'll get the space based on, you know, parity drive is going to be your largest drive. So for you, I hope that that helps Pyrus Rock. And if you have any more questions for us about Unraid, even more specifically, uh, pop us an email live at category5.tv. I'd be happy to help you. Uh, I'm actually running Unraid 6 beta now because our NIC, our network interface card, wasn't working on 5.0.5. So 6 looks really, really good. I'd love to show it to you on another show. We don't have time for it tonight, but maybe we'll get into that you know, when it comes stable, for example. So. Okay. Great. Thanks for the question. Hey, chat room. <laughs> Here's a question from Rob Gore. Hey, Rob Gore. Uh, hi, Robbie. I'm trying to set up WordPress in Ubuntu 14.04 LTS okay. in VirtualBox using instructions from the site. Um, he has a link here. Okay. I have managed to install Apache 2, MySQL, and PHP uh, without any problems. The area where I'm running into a problem is when I go into my browser and issue this command. Um, what is the command, Krista? HTTP uh, slash localhost.info.php. I should be getting a PHP page, but instead getting an error, which I have attached a screenshot. Oh, there's just, a screenshot. Yes, just wondering nice. if this is due to me trying it in VirtualBox. Okay. I'm going to pull up your screenshot, Rob Gore, and community. There it is. Is that it? That's okay. It. I'm going to save this to my desktop because we like to protect your email address. Okay, so just bear with me here, folks. That's awfully and nice of us. We are just so kind around here. All about... Nice Canadians, Canadians. Yeah. <laughs> okay, there it is. Okay. So, running in VirtualBox. First of all, get rid of the slash info.php. There's something that I notice here. Look, Apache 2.4.7 is running. But... The error message is not found. It's not server not found. It's file not found. This is a 404. Look, 404 not found. That means that the file that you're loading, which is info.php, does not exist. But I'll bet you localhost does. So try just take off the info.php. I think that the file itself doesn't exist. So, and how do you find that out? Well, just take it off, and if it's, if it's a, you know, Apache is up and running. Let's see if I have it on my computer here. I probably do from a previous local host. Okay, so this is, I do. This is what you're going to see. See, local host. It works because I'm on Apache. But then if I type, same as you, slash info.php, not found exactly the same error message, a different version of Apache, but exactly the same error message as you, right? But we know that it is working. Well, why is that, right? Because info.php is not in existence. So let's get into our file system. Apache by default is going to be in var www, not four W's. This isn't the worldwide wicked web. Okay, <laughs> I have a couple of files there. <laughs> I'm going to touch one called um, info.php. Oh, I cannot touch because I'm not super user. Because Apache apparently. Don't want that trailing slash. Anyway, it's running. See, it's root. That's not ideal. But that's why I couldn't touch. Okay, so I just touched it. 
That means it created the file. Info.php now exists. Right? So now if I refresh, it's just a blank page because there's nothing in it. So let's edit it. Nano info.php. And probably because it's called info.php, what you're hoping to do is get PHP info. Uh, I can never remember if it has an under... PHP, I think it's just like that. I'm going to save that and refresh. Maybe it's an underscore. I can never remember. Does PHP info have an underscore? Oh, I'm not super user. Again, come on. Pseudo. PHP. Here we go, Rob Gore. No underscore. Okay, PHP info. So there you go. So now I have info.php. I created it myself in var www, and I put in my command to actually generate PHP info. Delete that from your server before you actually go live because that is kind of revealing as far as what you're running, where your files, scripts are, security, all that kind of stuff. So you don't want to leave that on a live server. But I think you just had a 404. You're just putting in the file name info.php and it doesn't exist. As far as running it in a virtual machine, that's cool. You just need to set it up as a bridged mode NIC and uh, then you'll be able to connect to it not through localhost from outside, right? Because now localhost is the virtual machine if it's installed on the virtual machine. Instead, you go into the terminal and you determine, okay, well, what is my IP address for that virtual machine? Let's see if I can exit this. It's probably asking, yeah, do I want to save? No. Okay, so sudo if config. My IP address is 10.0.0.70 on the computer that has Apache. So on your virtual machine, find out the IP, then put that in instead of localhost. And you'll see it's exactly the same thing, info.php. There it is. It's exactly what I just created. So that's the only difference. Localhost won't work in that case. If it's a virtual machine, you need to pipe it out to the IP. Cool. Cool. Good luck, Rob Gore. Love to hear how it goes. And uh, good luck getting uh, WordPress up and running. If, you, yes. if you're if you working on getting WordPress up and going and you don't know too much about server admin, you don't want to get hacked and, and have to worry about it, give a try to, for example, uh, Turnkey Linux. Uh, Turnkey Linux. Good option for you because it comes as a prefabricated appliance that you just copy into a virtual machine. You're done. So And it comes with security stuff already set up and it's pretty well updated and well managed cool so, mm-hmm. thank you for the question good stuff uh here's a comment i love comments from jason, they're so easy jason king because you don't have to say anything I just, about thanks thank you thank you <laughs> so much a bad comment. yeah oh and then i'm like oh sorry yeah. <laughs> what do you so mean we'll I, see which what do you mean is? my instructions destroyed your yeah. computer <laughs> just what do you mean i broke the it's internet gone. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Sorry. I'll I'll listen to the comment. Now. So Jason Keen says, "Hey, Jason. Uh, I oh, this is a reference to episode three thirty seven for moving your Linux uh, home folder to another device." Brilliant he says, episode. I can't thank you enough for this. I have searched high and low through every nook and cranny of every form, and and I could dive in, and nobody could get the straight dope on how to accomplish this. <laughs> you got to read properly. it right. Come on. If you're gonna, if he's gonna say straight dope, you got to read it. <laughs> I'll like, read it how like Krista wants to read it. All right. This is the Krista chair today. All right. right. It says it works like a charm. <laughs> also, loving the Roku channel. Good. Awesome. Keep up the great work and know that you're highly appreciated out here in the world. And a whole bunch of weird... Squigglies? Icons. Nice. Things. Thanks, Jason. 
Cool. Awesome to know that you were having trouble finding an answer, and lo and behold, it was here. All it was along. here on Category Five TV on a recent episode, no less. And we've got three hundred and forty-nine of these things, and uh, I think there's a lot of content there. Get onto our website, Category Five TV, and we try to make it really, really easy for you to find stuff with the search feature and categorizing things and sorting by keywords. And we do our best. I mean, it's a lot of content, and it's video, so it's hard to index. Because it's not text, right? It's not like you can just search through it. So, um, But we do our best. So give a go to category5.tv to find more cool stuff. Yes. It's a nice comment. Thank you. See, now he's all smiley and happy. Look what you did. What oh, shucks, Jason. What <laughs> oh, shucks. Here it was is. so nice of you. <laughs> There's a question from Rob Gore. Oh, hey, Rob Gore again. Uh, just wanted to find out what font is used for the Cat5 TV logo. How perfectly Only you had somebody here. Huh. Who designed um, that logo again? Oh, there's this graphic designer girl that I once knew. Long time ago. I don't ago. know if she still does that or not. I think now she hosts like this crazy TV show around the world. She's too cool for questions. Yeah. If you were a graphic designer girl um, and you were to design a Category 5 logo, what, what font, font would you, you use? use? Uh, that's a hard question. I think you're probably talking about the main font, which is uh, cut up. Like, we, we have it all. Oh, here it is. Uh, like this. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, oh, if only we could show you what it looks like. Oh, yeah. It's right here. Yeah. Um, Mostly it's based off of an actual font, but there were a lot of tweaks made to it in order for it to fit properly like this. And it was so long ago, I don't remember what it was off the top of my head. Do you head. have like master files that we could email a response? I could or find a future show, like a vector. Uh, or something I do the have font. the vector, but uh, if it's been converted to outlines, you won't be able to tell what it is. But I can see if I have it, and I could definitely. Uh, we'll see if we could. Could you that sit out there you. in Photoshop and type category five and just push down, 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 down? Down, down, no. until I, you find it. I, no. How often have I had to do and that? And I don't create logos in Photoshop. No, but it's just, it's such an easier way to find the font. Well, that, yeah, that's super easy. <laughs> <sighs> Although I have done that with a uh, uh, font book before, except yeah. I have so many fonts, I just go and I try not to blink this for the longest me, time. <laughs> this reminds me how much I love Google Web fonts. Yes, they are wonderful. I have been using them a lot. Especially when you're working on everything from print to website, and then you can just correlate oh, it also nicely. Use the same font; you don't have to worry about whether I'm using Google font Web fonts is... for logos. Yeah, so that I can have text logos, and it's like, well, if they're going to use that font anyways, and it's available through Google Web fonts, it looks awesome. It's there. Yeah, some of them are. Why really can't great. Photoshop have that kind of font selection tool? Hmm. I have asked that too. That would be great. Yeah, that'd be all right. Just saying. All right. Next question. Here's a question from uh, Clint Eastwood. Oh, glad you watched the show. <laughs> Obviously, the, the legit Clint Eastwood. Obviously, right? his real name. Right. Yeah. Um, hi. How critical is it to stay current with Linux updates? Since most attacks are against Windows and Internet Explorer, is it <laughs> really necessary to keep my Linux machine continuously updated? I think the reason that we receive updates on Linux and the reason that we tend to install them in the presence of our Windows using friends is simply to remind us and to demonstrate 
that upon the installation of said updates, we do not have to reboot our computer 10 times. Yes. But seriously, <laughs> if, um, I mean, there are different things, right? There are different, when, when Heartbleed happened, you just wouldn't want to have missed that update. You know? Mm-hmm. When different patches come in, sure, there, there aren't as many exploits that are going to be main, you know, critical to a Linux desktop, but um, it's, it's still important. And not just for hacks and things. What's nice about Linux versus Windows, because when we think about updates, we're just thinking one thing, Windows. Right? You're thinking Windows. Just one thing that's nice about Linux versus Windows. One of the things... Windows, when you get your updates, it's what? It's, you're, you're used to it. It's security fixes. Oh, look, it's Tuesday. Windows has found another 150 ways for hackers to exploit my computer through a text file emailed to my brother's account in Oregon. That's what we're used to. Those are what the updates are for. On Linux, however, the updates are for everything. Mm-hmm. New version of a game comes out. You get the new version. New textures come out. You get the new textures. New graphics. New features in GIMP for photo editing. You get them. It's not so much about security fixes all the time with Linux. It's every program that you have installed on your computer will always be the best it can possibly be. That's what the updates are for. Every single program. Brilliant. Mm -hmm. Photoshop as the example. New version comes out. You go to the Supercenter. You pay another $900. And you get the Cry update. You come home. You uninstall. <laughs> you reinstall. Linux. GIMP as the example. New version comes out. Your computer says, bing, new updates available. Would you like to install them? Yes. Boom. You've got them. Done. Free. Done. Update. So that, there, there's a difference there. Uh, if you're running a bleeding-edge distro of Linux, something that is not considered stable, for example, I'm running uh, Debian Wheezy on my systems. This is Point Linux. We're running on the stable branch. But if you have uh, something that is uh, from the next incarnation of Debian, for example, something that is a beta or something that is uh, considered unstable, they call it. It's not necessarily unstable. It's just stuff that's testing uh, is another thing that it's called then you will get more updates because they're actively testing, actively adding a ton of stuff that gets tested and tested and tested in the unstable branch and then moved into the stable branch all in one lump. So you're going to get more that way. So that's why people like me, I tend to really prefer um, Debian stable because it's just it's stuff that's tried and true. I don't always get the latest and greatest bleeding cutting edge, whatever, but it's always stable. It's already always rock solid and tested. So, Cool. Cool. Good stuff. Thank you so much for your questions, folks. I hope that you had fun tonight. Can you believe that our time is just about up? We're just about done. Yeah. Sorry. Do we have time for like a really quick one? Anyone in the chat room have like a really nice quick thing? Uh, touch this. I haven't seen any questions, at least not right. directly. Um, this is an interactive show, folks. If you're, if you're new here, 
Uh, Category5.tv is our website. We've got a Facebook uh, link there. We're on Google+. We're on Twitter. Uh, of course, uh, we've got our own chat room, and you can join us. You can interact with us. You can email us. We will do our best to answer your questions. Uh, that's that's yes. how we work around here. So Now we have two minutes of silence. Unless you think two you can answer this silence? one in two minutes. It's kind it? of a how-to. Oh, please do. Okay. So uh, it's from Jim Bob. Hey, Jim Bob. Says, Thanks to you. I'm now using Mandro. Mandro? Manjaro? Man- Man- Manjaro. Is it? Sure. That's how I said Manjaro. it. Manjaro. Manjaro. Like that. Uh, and loving it. I am having a problem with updates. I keep getting an error and, and, and am unable to update. Attaches a screenshot. Love your show. Watch it every week. There's a screenshot in here. Xorg conflicts. With Glamour X-org, EGL. With Glamour EGL. <laughs> you know, sometimes I, I'm not sure the version that you're running. Uh, Manjaro has their own community. I would suggest that you get a look. I haven't really experienced Manjaro in its full effect, and I haven't had any problems with it. And that's just because, you know, it was recommended by a viewer that we check it out. I checked it out. It's pretty cool. Um, and it's a great little Linux distro. If you're having a problem where Xorg server conflicts with something else, it means that it has tried to install a package that had a dependency that conflicts with something that you already have installed and running. Uh, It's not necessarily a bad thing in that it it doesn't mean that it broke things. It just means that um, something is dependent on something else that can't install because it's going to break something else that's more critical or that's already set up. So I would suggest that you get a hold of the Manjaro community. Just post the same thing, the screenshot there that Xorg server is conflicting with something else and uh, see if they've got some help for you because I'm sure uh, other people are having the same issue if it's fairly common. Quite often those kinds of things happen when you've tried to install something that may remove something else uh, and that may not be the best thing to have happen. So it warns you that, hey, this is a conflict. You don't want to do this. Um, so. And Tennessee Frank says that maybe try uninstalling Glamour EGL and then do the updates. Certainly. Um, I'm a little X-Org. I'm a little hesitant to just say, you know, reinstall Xorg uh, here at the tail end of a show because I know that this could break your system, Jim Bob, because Xorg is your graphics environment. You know, it's what is powering your GUI uh, for your computer. It's not that you would lose everything. It's just that you may not be able to boot. So you want to be careful. And that, that gets tricky. <laughs> Let us know. Try removing that that thing like Tennessee Frank said, Glamour-EGL, then run your updates again, and you're not going to have that conflict anymore. So it sounds like something tried to get installed that you don't want. So That's all the time that we have. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, Dave Maydu, Pete, Kayoshi Ninja, Tennessee Frank, Greets, Bob K54, Albuquerque Turkey, Buddha Belly, Cirrus Minor, everybody, and Krista, of course, thank you for being here tonight. Yeah, thanks for having me again and again to see you folks and catch us on Roku. Uh, our Roku channel is at cat5.tv slash Roku channel. So How check obvious. it out. And if you haven't got a Roku, go buy one at cat5.tv slash Roku. R-O-K-U. That'll get you one at a discount. And you will not regret that purchase, <laughs> I promise you. Best purchase ever. Take care, everybody. Uh, We'll see you next Tuesday night. We hope you enjoyed the show. 
Category 5 TV broadcasts live from Barrie, Ontario, Canada every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern. If you're watching this on demand or through cable TV, check out the local showtimes in your area at Category5.tv and find out when you can watch live and interact in the community chat room. Category 5 is a production of Prodigy Digital Solutions and is licensed under Creative Commons Attribution 2.5 Canada. We'll see you next time. Thanks for tuning in.